It's good to be here, and I just want to get right into His Word. It's good to be in His presence, and I want God to be God here. We don't need any other little G-gods ruling. We just want God. God over everything to be in this place, to be ruling in this place. We just thank you. Holy Spirit, just give you this day. Just give you this day. This is your church. This is your day. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord God. I just want to open his word right away and get right into what he is saying. And then I want to take communion together today to celebrate the new year. I'm sorry that it's two weeks in, but I want to celebrate 2019 together, have a communion together. So we'll be doing that uh, shortly. But firstly, let's just get into some word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? Always. He's always good. Always. All the time. He's always good. He's always doing something, isn't he? Isn't he always doing something? Always. He's always up to something and it's always good. All right. Amen. Let's just get here in his word. I want you to look with me quickly to the book of Galatians. And I just want to just quickly read through some things and then have the Holy Spirit take it in the direction that he wills. And let's just look in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Everybody say freedom. We've been called to live in freedom as believers. There is a freedom that comes in Christ. Who has experienced the freedom in Christ? Right? Who from the outside looking in sees bondage and accuses the church of bondage and of rules and restrictions and regulations and no fun and no Sunday to yourself? And yet, when you fully know Christ, and even Christians struggle in there because we're trying to get to that place where we know him. But when you come to know him, you experience a freedom, a freedom that you cannot describe in the natural. You cannot tell people with words about that freedom. We try and we need to, but something is bypassing you that really touches them. And it's not the words you're saying, but the spirit that you're giving them, right? I'm getting ahead of myself, but there is a freedom in Christ. But he says, comma, but my brothers and sisters, don't let you, everybody say it again, your freedom. Don't let your freedom to satisfy, don't let you, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, everybody say, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So we have a freedom in Christ, but we've been given a freedom for a reason. Everybody say, my freedom has purpose. See, what we need to be careful to do as Christians, and we're getting right into this. Be careful as Christians is that Jesus Christ has set us free, but we sometimes we picture it like a pen, like we were trapped in a pen, and then he opens the gate and says, there you go. See you later. Instead, what we need to understand is that to be realistic about what happened was just the opposite. You were out wandering about in a facade of freedom. You were out wandering the world and doing as you please. And he actually opened the gate, but he didn't let you out. He let you in. You came into the pen. You actually came into a pen as a believer. See, freedom from our mind 
And I have so many references here. I just need to start saying it and I can get to the verses. I promise I will try. If not, come see me after. And I have the verses to back up what I'm saying. You don't believe me? Go read the verses yourself anyway. I encourage you to do that every week. But there is freedom in Christ and in Christ alone. And we must come in to a place, really, a penned in place, a, a, a protected place, even coming in these doors, a boxed in place. You know, there's been many sayings about we need to unbox God and let God out of the box. But, you know, God does, God lives in a box. His box, though, is way bigger than any box you could possibly imagine. His box is not the box that you're thinking of. It's his, God lives, I mean, everything that God created in the universe has rules and laws. There's uh, only, what, one degree? What is the degrees? I'm not even going to try. There are particular degrees that the sun and the moon and the earth all interact together. I was just saying to Dawn, isn't it weird that Winter is only because, you know, our earth is tilted. And so as we are tilted, right, away from the sun, just that tiny, tiny bit from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere right now, we're experiencing cold, they're experiencing summer. So even the earth is, is sitting within a realm of rules that God has established. There are another set of rules that we know very well that wrap around gravity, we know that gravity is a rule that God has established within this earth, which means if I jump off of a high position, high place, and I look down and expect not to fall, I'd be lying to myself and fooling myself and experience the results of that. And yet God, though, says that we are free. Christ is free, but our freedom in Christ is actually coming out of a place of unlimited, just, just do as you please, right? We come into a place, really, of restriction. And yet, when we are truly in Christ, we don't feel those restrictions, though, do we? What do we do? We respect Him. We start to realize, wow, God, the world says you can sleep with anybody you want, and as many as you want, and that's fun, and that's their definition. What we realize coming into Christ within the boundaries of marriage and in the covenant of marriage, which the world says is restriction, we see it as what? Protection and really perfection. We come into a place of perfection. We come into a place that the world would say was restrictive, but we see it as protection. We see it as perfection, the perfection of Christ. And so Jesus says right here, it says in the book of Galatians, it says, but don't use your freedom. Jesus has set us free and called us to be free, but don't let it uh, satisfy your sinful nature. Verse 16, so I say, and this is really what I want to major on. I set that as the groundwork, but I want to get to this, and this is what I'm going to preach on today. So I say, everybody say this out loud, let, see there's that word there, let, the NLT, I like that it translates it with this word let, because the word let is what it comes down to. You have a choice. 
You have a choice to say yes to Jesus, and you have a choice to say no to Jesus. You have a choice that once Jesus then starts working on you after you said yes to say no again. You don't have to keep saying yes, but we, have to, we do have to keep saying yes if we want Jesus to continue to finish what he promised he would do when he started, right? Amen. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. There is a freedom in Christ, and yet, and I'm going to get to these verses. I'm going to try. I just need to preach, though. There's a war, though, within you. Who's experienced that war within you? The war of the sinful nature. We call that the carnal nature. We call that the flesh. We call that the human nature, right? But then we have the divine nature of Christ. We have the... the uh, Jesus promises that basically I'm going to restore you back to the person that I made you in the garden that is, that is without sin. And we have these two natures inside of us. And the Bible says that you have the choice. It wouldn't give you the choice. It wouldn't tell you to not do or to do if it wasn't coming down to you. But then the Bible doesn't leave it on your own strength. Everybody say it's not in my own strength. It's not in my power, because you cannot. See, it failed before. The law failed before. Why did the law fail? Paul says, is the law sinful? He says, of course not, right? He says the law itself was not sinful. Of course not. The law only failed because we were trying to do it in our own strength, trying to do it without uh, the Holy Spirit helping us to do it. And so it says that the Holy Spirit, everybody say it again, the Holy Spirit, He will guide your lives if you let Him, and He will do what? Is He going to guide you into what your sinful nature wants? No, He says if you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you get one thing from today, this is the sermon. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, because if you let Him guide you, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, period. Who chooses to believe the Bible even though we don't see it all work all at once? Who chooses to believe that the Bible is real? Who chooses to believe Jesus even though we haven't seen him physically? Chooses to believe that when you die, you're going to be in eternity with him even though we haven't seen it? Anybody been to eternity yet? But we choose to believe it. We need to choose to believe his word, whether we understand it or we've seen it fully work in us yet. We need to choose to just believe it. And the Bible says that if we let the Holy Spirit guide us, we won't do what our, nature, our simple nature craves. That means that what? If that's the Bible and that's the truth, what does it mean? Is what's happening when we start doing things our own way? Let's reverse this sentence. What's happening? When we start doing what our sinful nature craves, and this is not just murder and lust in, the, in my, you know, the majors of adultery and these things. This is when I just decide to not forgive. And I bring that up a lot because that's such, it's one that we just, we, we kind of like overlook those things that we consider small. You know, God doesn't consider any of them large or small. There's no list in order in God. In God, there is sin, which is outside of his nature. And then there's his nature. Everybody say there's his nature. And then there's outside of his nature. And unforgiveness. 
And, and just, and, and my, we call them minor rebellions, you know, like just, uh, I'm not rebelling against God, but I'm going to, you know, I got to kind of grace myself into this area and, and God understands God knows my heart. And it says that when we do that, the answer, the reason is because we're not letting the Holy Spirit guide us. Preaching on the Holy Spirit is probably one of the hardest things to do for a preacher, because the Holy Spirit is the most, un, he's the hardest character of God to define. We can get the deity of God and we can bow before him and we can worship and say, wow, you created all this and this is amazing. And I can see it and I can experience it. In Jesus, we have this, we have the character of Jesus who shed his blood for us and died for us. But then we have the Holy Spirit who is with us every single day. He's living with us and and is speaking to us, we just don't know it, but he's speaking to us all the time. And it's, it's that we call that, the world will call that the conscience. But the, the Holy Spirit, whether you are saved or not, is trying to get you saved. Did you know that? That's the Bible. The Bible, who was not saved before and now is aware that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you many, many times. <laughs> So the world doesn't know how to define it. They got to try to define it with science, which doesn't make any sense because we evolved a conscience. What does that matter? Why does a conscience matter if we're an accident? Who cares what right and wrong is? If there is no repercussions, if there was no reason for us to be born and there's no what re- death doesn't mean anything, we're just going to cease to exist, then why don't we just do whatever we want? Oh, wait, that's exactly what they do. Whatever they want. But then they create their own little set of rules and stuff, and we call that a conscience and all this other stuff. The point is that the Holy Spirit was always trying. He's always been trying. The Holy Spirit's always been trying to guide our lives. Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, is the only way that we can receive the Spirit. But he's always been trying to get us. That's the, this, let's just look at the picture. Am I going too fast? I got so much stuff here, and I'm just trying to get with the Lord, so I just want to just make it streamlined. So here's the picture. Holy Spirit, nudging on your heart. You need God. I think I need God. Holy Spirit's nudging on you. This isn't right in your life. You know what? I think I need to make some changes in my life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay, I'll receive Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit says, okay, I've been nudging you to Jesus. Now let me walk with you. That's basically what's happened. Jesus, basically, Jesus said it, and, I, and this needs to be said. He said, don't be sad that I'm leaving. Don't be sad, Jesus said. Do you remember this? Remember in the book of John where he's talking to the disciples, and he's like, don't be sad that I'm going to die, that I'm going to leave you because I'm going to send you one, the helper, the advocate, the comforter, etc. as many, many uh, adjectives, and he's going to come, and he's going to live with you, and he's also going to remind you of the things that I've said to you. He's going to come and be what I was. Jesus, the picture of Jesus with the disciple is the Holy Spirit in us. We have to get this. We say, well, Jesus walked with the disciples. That's not fair. They had him right next to them. But the Holy Spirit is Jesus on the earth now inside of you. Again, this is something you're going to have to just get in the spirit. I'm going to say it in words, but really you just have to receive it. Amen. Who understands that? That you, you, I can't even really fully describe it. It's something that we just have to get. And the Bible even says that. We'll get to it. But basically it says that your sinful nature is doing what it wants because we are not listening to the Spirit. So verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil. 
it wants to do what it wants, or the flesh, basically it says that it's lusting, it's warring against the spirit. It wants to do just the opposite of what the spirit wants, and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Who is aware of that constant fighting? Now, who has put that war, though? There's a constant war, but we don't live in condemnation. We're going to get to that. And we don't live under that sinful nature. But who has for a season? Who has pushed away the Holy Spirit and listened to what your sinful nature wanted and that war that was going on? You gave into the wrong side and experienced the repercussions. But it says that... It never did obey God's laws. These two forces are fighting. They're, they're opposite. And it says, it says Galatians 5. I'm sorry, I went somewhere into Romans. But it never, it never obeyed God. It cannot obey God because it is opposite. It's fighting. Uh, we're not free to carry out, it says, the sinful nature wants to do just the opposite. The Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite. It says, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then we have a list here. Verse 19, we have very obvious things that happen when our sinful nature grows. Everybody say, your sinful nature will produce fruit. There is a nature inside you that is warring against the Spirit of God. This is the Bible. And if you do not check it, if you don't stop it, it will produce. Everything in creation produces. Everything. Everything that dies brings new life. Everything. That is God's design. Even evil. Even evil. This nature, in fact, um, the desire, I'm, I watch Animal Planet and, and uh, watching um, Blue Planet and watching um, Planet Earth and whatever the names are and all those fun things on, uh, on TV. And, and, and you see this nature, you have the prey and the predator, except some, some of them are prey and predator. But their desire to live is so strong. Anybody watch any of those shows? They are amazing. It is incredible to see uh, creation. But there is, it's also incredibly brutal. But there's this desire to live. And they will fight, 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 fight to live. And they usually lose if the predator is more powerful than them. But their fight is no less. They don't just give in. They don't just lay down and say, okay, lion, I know you're hungry. You know what? You know what? I'm tired too. Go for it. But they struggle until it's done, until there is no life in them. Your sin nature, your flesh, you need to come to terms with this. Your desires, this is the Bible, they are warring. It doesn't say that you are making a choice to war or not. This is on the subliminal. This is, this is not even you choosing to fight against the Holy Spirit. There is a war in your nature that was birthed from when Adam and Eve sinned and you were born into this realm, whatever this is, this, 
the way you were born, you were born into sin, right? We understand this is just Bible ABCs, one, one, two, three. You were born into sin, and that sin in you is so strong, it will try to work itself and bring forth fruit without you trying. I've said this before, little babies, they don't even have a chance to be taught. A baby doesn't have to be taught to be jealous. You don't sit down and say, let me teach you jealousy. Who has seen this? Envy, anger, frustration, right? Babies don't have to be taught. Now, we look at them, we love them, they're cute. But what happens? As they get older, I deal with my sons. You know, okay, fine, you were jealous, you're a little baby, you didn't know any better. But now I've, I've got to start teaching you, you can't live your life in jealousy. Your brother's going to pick on you, and if it's not your brother, somebody else in your life will. And if you respond to those people with anger, I'm talking to my kids like this, and it seems, it seems a little rough that I say this, but that's murder. One day, if you don't check this, if you get rage, if you let rage grow, it's just rage. That's why Jesus says it's a heart thing. He says, you know, you say we don't do all these major sins, but I'm looking at the heart. Are you angry? And you go, that's not murder. But that's what happens. Who has seen things grow? <laughs> Who has seen things in your own heart that you let grow too long? And they sprouted. They brought forth. It's in there. Just believe me. Believe me that the word says it. And, and, and I think I've made the point that those things are in there and they are going to try to grow. There's only one answer. It's Jesus and he does that through the Holy Spirit, period. You cannot do it because you're not even aware that those things are growing in you. He comes and shows you. Who's been shocked when Jesus starts to show you things, right? And you go, wow. Who has said, that's not me, but then years later realized that that was the epitome of you and then had to deal with it. The Lord gave you grace, though, in that process. I... I'm, I give people so much grace because I see that he brought me even to this pulpit here with grace, and I'm not finished yet. I know there's many, many years of his refining on me, and yet he put me here to, to, and lets me preach the word to you while he's still refining me. By doing that, that just humbles me way, way, way down, and gives, I can give someone else grace. When I see the grace he's given us, he gives you grace, but yet it's not a free, I don't live in that freedom and just say, wow, I can just do whatever I want because of his grace. But actually what it does is it reveals, wow, Lord, if there was stuff in there that you've been dealing with that I didn't even know, and it's only been revealed to the Holy Spirit, that makes me want to do one thing, stay close to the Holy Spirit and let him keep revealing that stuff over and over again. Amen. We're making any sense. Thank you, Lord. It says, when you follow the desires, it's, it's obvious. This is the point. Those things, they start growing. We start, we get fruit. And it's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. And, and that word idolatry, a lot of times we just, we throw that away because they did idol worship, but that word means so much more. That word it really is worshiping anything other than God. 
And worship is easily defined. It's what are you, th- what are you thinking about? What are you giving your time to? You know, what, what excites you in your day? So idolatry is not just bowing down before a little carved statue anymore, but it's really giving yourself to anything other than Jesus. And so these things start to come out, though, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. So we have sexual morality, but then hostility in the same list. Because it's not a cat, it's not, there's not, let's go down the list from the worst to the, to the easiest. But he says quarreling, just quarreling. Quarreling comes out of a sin nature. It says jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. You know, selfish ambition is really hard to define because you don't understand your ambitions. Sometimes you don't know that you're being selfish. You think, well, I have no choice. I have to be selfish. This is what I have to do. I have to supply or I have to get what I need. And you don't even realize that there's selfish ambition or even you can even bring that into the church. You can even bring that into your faith as a Christian and be like, well, I need to do such and such for the Lord. And we can be getting into places of ambition that aren't even God. We could think, well, I'm just being ambitious for the Lord, but there's really some other desires in there and dissensions, and divisions, and envies, and drunkenness, and wild parties, and other sins like these. Uh, He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, everybody, I want you to read this out loud, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Galatians says, there is a freedom in Christ, but his freedom is not for us to let our nature, it's not a freedom that now I can just do what I want. I believe in Jesus, so now there's no repercussions. It's as simple as believing in Jesus, and yet Jesus wants to do something in you. Jesus began a work in you, and he wants to finish a work in you. He began something in you the day you said yes to him, but he wants to finish it. Amen. We're going to let him finish it in this church. I believe so. We're going to let him finish it. We will not inherit it, but he says, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit, everybody say, but. See, there's a sin nature that wants to produce its own kind, and you don't have to try, but we need some supernatural orthro weed killer in us. You know what all that stuff is? It's just weeds. It's just weeds. All that stuff that's just growing in us, it's weeds. Who's ever tried to weed, but you didn't get the root? If you try to do it in your own strength, that's all you're doing. You're just mowing the lawn. A lot of people mow their weeds and they think they're mowing their lawn. It's just weeds. They're just weeds. It's actually rare that you actually see real grass. You ever see real grass and then you're like, wow, that's what real grass looks like? It's so, so green and so pretty. But it's just, it's just weeds. It says, but the Holy Spirit, he produces a fruit as well. If you let your nature grow, if you let it grow, okay, it starts the moment you're born without you trying, and it will start growing on its own. But the Holy Spirit also wants to grow something in you. The Holy Spirit also wants to grow something in you. And if you want to plant something Where weeds grow, what do you do first? I remove the weeds first. So sometimes we're like, 
you know, the, the Holy Spirit's dealing with us, the Lord's dealing with us, and it seems like he's not leaving you alone, especially in the beginning when you just come to the Lord. You just pluck and pluck and pluck and pluck and all these weeds out of your life. And to the, to the world, if you were to try to describe what's happening, it could look like you came to Christ for freedom? Because it seems like you're losing all your freedom. But they don't realize that they just have weeds. The world loves jealousy. In fact, jealousy is justified, right? The world justifies envies and justifies anger. What do we do as soon as the world gets angry? Call up our best friend and tell them all about what happened. And they go, yeah, you're right. But the Holy Spirit comes and starts plucking those roots out. He doesn't just cut the top off. He cuts the root and pulls it out of you because in its place, everybody say, in its place, in its place, see, sexual morality. So in its place, let's plant love, real love, which may have sexuality in it, but it will be in purity. He starts planting things in its place, joy instead of anger, right? Peace instead of hostility, patience. This is such a simple thing, and yet it says that this, this list should not be treated as just a simple little list. We're talking about God. Holy Spirit is just as equal with God as God the Father and Jesus is. He just doesn't get talked about a lot. But he is, this is what he's trying to produce in you. This should be talked about just as much as Jesus' blood on the cross. We talk about the cross and we all come to the cross and we break at the cross and we love the cross and we love the blood of Jesus. And yet the Holy Spirit's like, hey, what about my gospel though? I'm God too and I've got a gospel as well. My gospel is that amazing you came to the cross. I love that you came to the cross. You can't get it without the cross. You can't get it without the blood, but I've got a gospel too and it's that I want to produce something in you. Amen. I want to produce something in you. I love that you gave your life. Now let's, let's use it. I want to produce patience in you and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And gentleness and self-control. And there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I belong to Christ Right? If you have given your life to him, you belong to him. You do not belong to yourself anymore. And the Bible is clear. Verse 24 is clear. Those who belong to Jesus have nailed. What nails are we talking about? Anybody know the nails that we're talking about? The nails that went into Jesus' hand. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed. That means... Even though Jesus was on that cross 2,000 years ago, God outside of time, when you give over your sinful nature and your desires and your, it's not murder yet, but that anger in you that will produce its own fruit if you let it grow, when you give it over, Jesus is actually putting those things in himself. The Father sees your anger, present tense, In Christ, past tense. I mean, you got to get this in the spirit because this is not something you're going to just hear in your mind. And the word says it. And I'm trying to get to those verses as well, but it says that it's foolishness to your mind. 
I'll just say it now, and hopefully I'm going to read it, but I may not. Your issues in you, when we give them to Christ, they are nailed and the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his cross. If you belong to Christ, you must crucify your flesh. If you belong to Christ, the cross is the beginning, and yet it says if you truly belong to Christ, if you've truly come to the cross, if you've truly come to Jesus, then you have to nail your passions and desires with Jesus on that cross. There is not two gospels. There's not the extreme Christian and the baby Christian. There is no such thing. But as I mentioned, and I mentioned myself on purpose, I didn't use myself in any form of pride, but in humility that I experience his grace. I know his grace. It is a grace walk. And yet I'm also fully aware that he is... It, it, I don't know how to put it in words, except that it's like this. I'm facing Christ. My back is to Christ. It is as simple as it's not, he's not looking at how pure you are, is that, okay, you have to begin somewhere, right? We have to begin. So how do we begin? Well, the first thing is the word repent means to turn. Turn from your sins. Jesus, I mean, the whole Old Testament is return, turn, turn, return, return, return. So first thing we must do is return. Are we clean and pure and perfect now? No, we're still angry. We're frustrated. We're probably living in all kinds of sins, but now we've turned towards him. And as the more we walk towards him, the more the Holy Spirit is going to pluck and plant, pluck and plant, pluck and plant. So the first thing we must do is just to turn to him. It's not about perfection, but it is about your face towards Christ. And it's about constantly giving him more and more as the Holy Spirit reveals of you. You fully committed it in words because that's all you could do. In fact, that's enough. Do you know that's enough? It's enough because the guy on the cross, he's literally got his hands and his feet nailed to a cross right next to Jesus. And he turns to Jesus. Jesus, he turns to him and basically what he, he does in his own words is, I believe in you. I know this is the son of God, right? He, he's telling the other criminal like, hey, do you know who this is? And Jesus says, today we'll be in paradise together. He had no chance to work out his salvation whatsoever. He literally was nailed in place. And yet his heart was enough. It is as simple as the heart. And I've said this many times, but I am confident based on his word, not on my own opinion, that if Jesus said, you know what? Because you said that, and he drew the nails out, healed his wounds and said, go live, that there's no way that guy could go back to being a murderer but his face would be constantly now before Christ. Okay, I believed in him once. I'm going to continue to believe. And as I do, okay, it was murder that put me on the cross, but now the Lord starts dealing with the anger or the frustrations or the jealousies that caused that murder in me. Any sense? Are we make any sense today? God's good, isn't he? And his word is good. It says... Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, everybody say since, 
Okay, so I love that the word tells us, the word warns us of where we could go and where we were. But also I love how when, you know, especially Paul, when he's writing, he says like that, but that's not you. I love though that he encourages us, okay, since, all right? We're not, we are following him, right? We have chosen to keep following him especially in this church. I'm not saying, I'm not going to judge any other churches, but I know you. You have made a decision. Yes, I do want to follow him. And I'm willing to give up my stuff because I've realized my stuff is just weeds, right? It says, so since, that's this church, we are living by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, let us, there's that word again, that three-letter word, let us, we have to do it. It's a choice. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We have to follow His leading. And, and this uh, is in, you can find this in just for time. I'm not going to go through all of them, but you can find something similar in Colossians. You can find it in Romans. You can find it all through the New Testament talking about the completing. Jesus did a work on the cross, and then he left the earth. And the Holy Spirit continued. The Holy Spirit continued what Jesus started here on the earth. And so this is the thing. We cannot get it in the natural. They came to Jesus, and, uh, I mean, and, and, and they were questioning him constantly. So Jesus turns in the book of Matthew chapter 16, he turns to his disciples and he says, who do people say the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, this is verse, uh, Matthew 16, verse 14. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Even just to get Jesus, we need to realize that we had a revelation. We get weird about the word revelation. You need to have a revelation of who Jesus is and the same thing is every time the Lord wants to show you something, and then you finally, when you see it, your eyes open. Who has had your eyes open really wide to something you just could not see before? You literally couldn't see it. That's not me. That's not me. And then he reveals it to you. And then I love the, the passage in Luke right? Who loves the time in Luke? Jesus is walking with them. It says in Luke chapter 24, and I'm just saying these things quickly, and then we'll do the communion. He says in Luke 24, he said, that day two of Jesus's followers, uh, verse 13, they're walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they talked and discussed these things, verse 15, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. This is what Jesus does. Shows up, starts walking with you. And it says, verse 16, uh, but God kept them from recognizing him. And, and actually, can you bring that up in the New King James? Because it says, verse uh, 16, the New King James says that their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. I don't know that the NLT translated that right. Either one can work, but I think this is probably more accurate because I think they just couldn't see. Sometimes you just can't see. 
not necessarily God blocking your eyes, but you just can't see that Jesus is it's like come alongside you and he wants to change something in your life. And at first we wrestle. <laughs> I don't have time. I'll get into this more some, another week. But at first we, we wrestle and, and, we, and, we, we try to, and, we, and, and we try to figure it out in our own strength and our own selves. So, you know, he says, they're, they're saying, you know, they're telling him, what's, Jesus starts to ask him what happened. <laughs> and it says in verse 25, then Jesus said to them, because finally he just turns to him and is like, he says, you foolish people. <laughs> You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glories? You know, they're trying to figure it out. Jesus is literally there and they're, they're trying to figure it out. Like, you know, we don't understand. And Jesus is, he's starting to, he's just about to, he starts to give them the word. Come on. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself into other weeks and start given you more than you need today, but he starts to just start reveal his word. That's what he does. All of a sudden, the Bible, you look at it and you go, wait, that says something I've never seen before. Who's had this happen? Wait, I'm hearing something. I'm starting to hear the scriptures. Wait a second. It was predicted. Wait a second. Jesus, okay, I'm starting to understand. So anyway, he finally takes them through. Verse 27, he took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets and he explained it to them. Jesus is not unwilling to explain to you. Sometimes, sometimes he just wants you to believe. He's not unwilling to explain. It says, but verse 28, by the time they were nearing Emmaus, he's going with them and they ask him to come in and eat in verse 29. And then verse 30, they sit down and he breaks the bread in verse 30. And verse 31 says, and say this out loud, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. You cannot receive anything. And I, I just... I don't want to keep going. You cannot receive anything from the Lord without a revelation. This is what needs to be said. Jesus, the Holy Spirit drew you. You came to Christ. You turned towards Christ. You can't just go down a list and be like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start being good now. It's not going to work. You're just going to be cutting the top of those weeds. What the Holy Spirit must do is get down into the depths of you and start pulling the roots out. And that's a process. Let him do that. Don't look to the side. Don't look at other Christians, uh, where they're at in their walk. And other Christians shouldn't really be walking, looking at you unless you've turned. And now you're, you're going to start. We'll get into that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but if you are here. And there is a working. This is the working. And we should look with grace. We should look with eyes of grace. Is that person work, is trying to work it out or are they just rebelling against God? It's kind of obvious really when as a believer starts to look. And that's the thing. So he will come and start revealing it step by step. And who has seen him do that? Right? He just reveals more and more and more. And you cannot receive it without a revelation. It's a spirit thing. It cannot be received in your natural. But once he reveals it, then you're without excuse. Say then, I'm without excuse. Once he's revealed it to you. And I just believe the Lord wants to reveal some things in this season to you. He's gonna, I believe that this year I said it as a kind of a prophetic line of 2019, that this is the Lord's year. It's, for, it's his way. We've got to do things his way. It's got to be his way. And so Jesus is going to, I believe... Um, He's given us a, a real, real time of grace uh, um, in these, these three years as a church, but start to really fine-tune some things. I started to say that in the last couple of weeks. 
You're going to start to see revelation quicker now. And who has dealt with things for many, many years, but the Lord has been dealing with quickly, right? Quickly. I believe he's going to keep doing that. And for your good, A, but also for the good of the people around you. He's got a world for you to reach, and they need to start picking Holy Spirit fruit instead of picking the tops of weeds. Weeds are just going to get them high on the world, right? That's just a weed. You need to start picking Holy Spirit fruit, right, from us. Amen.